0: All right, so we're inching closer uh, to the NHL season, the start of the season. Next week, the Rangers begin their season on Thursday night against the Blues. And uh, on Friday, though, they have a preseason game, uh, one of their final two against the Blackhawks. So I thought it made a little sense here to talk to Ryan Brandel of Barstool Sports Chicago. Uh, You know him as Barstool Chief on Barstool Sports Chicago. Uh, He writes about the Blackhawks for that site, and I thought it made a little sense here to talk to him with the Rangers playing the Blackhawks, even though it's a meaningless game, um, except for cutting down the rosters and uh, get everything in order for the next week. And uh, Ryan joins me today. Ryan, how's it going today? It's
1: going pretty well. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, no problem. I know uh, it's been a while since the last time we talked, and uh, I'd say it was... Right after the Olympic break, that that first game the Rangers and Blackhawks played, so that's about, what is that, like seven months ago at this point, and and back then, we had a lot to talk about. Uh, the Rangers were trying to find themselves, really. The Blackhawks were sort of just waiting for the postseason to start. And we had said that if the Rangers and the Blackhawks did meet in the final, um, which was a, a pipe dream at that point for the Rangers, that we do another podcast. And we didn't get that chance, but but we're back here, and, and the season's about to begin. And, and I guess starting with going back to last season, you know, um, as a Blackhawks guy, you know, I can't imagine the devastation, losing that Game 7 to the Kings. And how long did it take for you to get over that, if you're even over it at that point? Point.
1: Well, I, I, I do want to start by saying I think when you when you said that a Rangers Hawks uh, Stanley Cup Finals podcast, I think I laughed right in your face. <laughs> like, I think I think I had completely written off the Rangers. Um, couldn't have had less respect for them at that time of the year. <laughs> so I, you know, egg on my face, eat crow, whatever you want to say, but I got I got that one way wrong. Uh, because they got uh, they got hot at the right time and and made a night's run to the Stanley Cup. Uh, to answer your question, um, yeah, I mean I kind try to get over those losses somewhat quickly. It it, it I, I didn't watch as much of the finals as I normally would uh, because it was still a little bit salty. Um, and I, and it it was and not to uh, throw stones at the Rangers again, but it just. And they did play well against L.A., but there's no doubt in my mind that the Hawks would have beaten uh, the <laughs> Rangers in the finals. So it, it's like you were one bounce away uh, from from another Stanley Cup. So that's the way I thought of it. So, yeah, it, 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 it's stung, but, you know, we're uh, Belichick would say we're on to the next one. So, you know, the next season's about to start, and uh, winding down here playing the, the Rangers tomorrow night.
0: Well, you did mention back way back when that uh, at that point when it got to um, both both the Eastern Conference and Western Conference Finals, and, and we were talking on Twitter, and I had mentioned, you know, hey, we got to do this podcast if it works out, and you, you know, you were sort of saying no matter who wins the West, they're going to win the Stanley Cup, and while that held true, and history will show that it was just a five-game series, um, you know, the Rangers had their chances. They had two-goal leads in the first two games. They lost all three overtime games in the series, and. And while you know you say you didn't watch it, you know you must have had to catch at least some of it. And though it was only a five game series, it felt like it was more of a seven game.
1: Right, and I, and I don't want to I want to take anything away from the Rangers. They did play well in that series. Um, you know, they're, they're they're a better hockey team than I than I thought they were. Um, and uh, so Lundquist and the, the D played really well, and they got they got plenty. Or not a, I'm entirely sure what their makeup is this year, but they had plenty of speed on that team with uh, Hagelin and. And, uh, and Nash and Zuccarello, they had some guys with some wheels that gave L.A. trouble coming off of that Chicago series. And, uh, and yeah, they, they, they could have made that a long series, no doubt. So I, I have way more respect today for the Rangers than I did when we spoke at you know, end of February.
0: Well, I can't blame you because I didn't really have respect for them then either, and they just seemed like, they were, <laughs> they seemed like the same old Rangers where they were just going to be a first-round, possibly a second-round exit, and if everything went right, maybe they'd get to the Eastern Conference Finals, and that's the way it was a few years ago when they got there and lost to the Devils. Um, in a series, they probably should have won back then, and, and probably should have played the Kings in the Stanley Cup back then too. But um, yeah, they, they surprised everyone, and really, it was Henrik Lundqvist. And I think for the first time, at least, you know, not only nationally but in in the world or, or globally, for anyone who you know, north and outside North America, anyone who watched um, you know the playoffs and got to see Henrik Lundqvist on a consistent basis for for two plus months. Um, I think he was able to finally justify his career and what he's been doing here for almost a decade, and that is single-handedly carrying this team and, and the way that things have gone for them since uh, since the lockout, and they've made the postseason every year except for one since then, um, mi- missing it uh, you know, back in 2010. But aside from that, he's been the backbone of this team. He's basically been the entire team, and uh, he was once again. He saved their season against Pittsburgh and carried them on through, and uh, I think the lasting image of last season will be him Uh, laying on the ice in L.A. right after the Kings had won uh, Game 5 in overtime. And it sort of, it almost felt like he had just run out of gas and and was exhausted and he's just laying there on the ice. And I think that really sums up who the Rangers are in that it was Lundquist, you know, all along. And and for someone, obviously, you follow it more than the average hockey fan. But for people in Chicago, did you get the sense that, you know, people started to realize uh, around the hockey world just how important this guy is?
1: Yeah, I I think uh, for people who who are big hockey fans, it's, and um, they've always known Lundqvist is great. He kind of burst onto the scene when they won that gold medal um, for Sweden. I think that was 2006. Uh, so I think that's when he really, he was a starting goalie on that team, and I think that gave him a lot of exposure. And then I think, so people were like, wow, this guy's great. And then when they weren't really getting it done in the playoffs, I feel like there was this narrative around Hank where it was like, is this guy really great, or is he just, a good goalie who with, you know, movie star, good looks playing in New York. And I never felt that that was justified. I've always thought he was one of the top goalies in the world. Um, but I do think that that there was some, some backlash against him. Kind of like in a way that like Tom Brady gets some of that uh, where people will complain and say that he's a system quarterback or overrated. And I think it's because of how good looking he is. And I think that <laughs> Andrew runs into that same thing where it's like, is this guy really good or do we talk about him because he's, you know, people magazines, 50 most beautiful people or whatever. So, but I think he's great. And I think he had a, uh, I think he had a great run and, and deserves all the deserves all the credit that he gets. So he, he's been a good goalie for a long time. I'd love to have him in Chicago. Um, And, yeah, I I mean, I I was – I'm glad that people have moved on from uh, from that narrative and he got to really, really shine this last spring.
0: Yeah, and I don't think – well, not everyone's moved on because here you still get – the Islanders and Devils fans who chirp and say, uh, "You know, he still can't lead them to the cup," as if one person could single handedly lead uh, the entire team. Yeah, there it and, takes twenty guys. Yeah, so, exactly, or more. and and I, yeah. and I think you you guys know that as much as uh, anyone in Chicago because you've got one of the deepest, if not the deepest, roster in the league. And we talked last time about how, um, you know, as a Blackhawks fan, it, it sort of turned into what the Yankees have become hockey wise, in that. Um, you know you've got this this chance at a dynastic run and already two cups um, probably could have appeared in in another one last season if uh, you know things bounced differently like you said in game seven but uh, you look at the opportunity miss there and and, uh, you know it's a year gone by but you've got Kane and Taves now locked up for a long long time and and it seems like this window for the Blackhawks is at least going to stay open for the foreseeable future Um, but they do have their their cap issues now and I know you've been uh, mentioning on Twitter about potential trades and what do you think Chicago's got to do here You you know they're running out of days here to get under the cap, but um, it seems you know like they have to. I mean, they have to make a decision here and move at some point. What do you think? What do you think's in the works?
1: Well, yeah, they're 2.2 million dollars over the cap right now, and the rule is that you have to be cap compliant by like five o'clock on October seventh. So they and they they're the only team that's over the cap right now that can't put somebody on long term injury reserve to. to uh, you know, get that money off their books. So they have to make a trade. Um, There's a lot of talk about Christopher Stieg and Nick Letty and then also a guy that some Rangers fans might be familiar with, uh, Michael Roosevelt. (laughs)
0: Um,
1: So those those are the the three names that get thrown around uh, the most. My money is on Nick Letty just because he probably is the guy that teams will actually want. 23-year-old defenseman with, I think he already has 50-some-odd playoff hands of experience and can really skate and play on the power play, so he, he's... Uh, I'm not a huge fan of him. He's a third-pair guy uh, for us, but I think he, he's got a bright future, so I think that's the guy that they'll try to move, and I would actually like to see him move uh, uh, versus Stieg and and one of those defensemen, so just to get uh, get under the cap, you know, safely and maybe have a little bit of money to play with at the deadline, so that's that would be my my goal, if I were in uh, Stan Bowman's shoes, but uh, we'll see how see how she goes. We've got uh, you know five days left to make that happen.
0: Well, uh, you know, when you mentioned Nick Letty as a potential guy, and that must just be devastating to get traded away from the Blackhawks right before the season because, uh, you know, having been out there last year for Rangers-Blackhawks and, and seeing what that city's like during hockey season, and I know you mentioned back in our last podcast that it hasn't always been the case in Chicago with the way people are, uh, you know, so avid about the Blackhawks. But, I mean, to be going from basically, you know, the, the epicenter of the hockey world, at least in the United States, and to go to any other team has to be a letdown.
1: Yeah, and... and- we always joke that, um, you know, a lot of hockey players read, read Barstool, and we had quite a few guys um, that were still in, in the hockey system, and they've all gotten traded to, like, Florida or Calgary or these <laughs> other places. And it's just like, my God, like, Stan, just if you're associated with Barstool at all, he's getting rid of you. And so you go, I mean, imagine that jump where you're going from 22,000 leading the league attendees days, rapid fan base and now you get traded to Florida and it's 6,000 people and nobody cares. It's like wives and girlfriends only at the uh, and parents at the game. So that's got to be tough to take. So yeah, that'd be tough on Nick Letty hopefully. Like I don't have any, uh, any problem with Nick Letty. I think he's you know he's been a good hawk. Uh, you know, Hopefully he goes through a good situation. I don't know if the Rangers need a defenseman like that. Sounds like maybe you guys should just uh, send us a draft pick for him since you stole Kevin Hayes. <laughs>
0: um,
1: and we'll give you Nick Letty to bail us out a bit.
0: Well, you mentioned Kevin Hayes. I know we went back and forth on Twitter when he was about to sign and uh, you know that, that the, the obviously getting drafted the first round by the Blackhawks and, and fell through without signing there. And then he becomes a free agent um, through that sort of odd loophole. And, You know, everyone, I don't know if it was because it was a poor news day or people were just, you know, itching for any sort of hockey news, but all of a sudden, Kevin Hayes in in social media and on the internet became like, you know, you thought that like Crosby or Malkin had entered free agency with the hype the kid was getting and people going nuts about him. I mean,. Here's a guy, and I know his his BC tenure has been uh, broken down a little differently. Some people claim, you know, um, through injuries he didn't have the production he probably should have his first few years. But you look at when he finally got paired with Johnny Goudreau, you know, that's when his production really took off and he was one of the top scorers in the nation. But um, aside from that, he had just an average NCAA hockey career and, you know... uh, I'm never the biggest guy to, to go after these guys who have spent three, four years in college hockey because, um, you know, if, if they were good enough, they probably would have been in the league already or, or, or maybe had never gone to college in the first place. But I just thought that Kevin Hayes got way more attention than any, uh, you know, sort of unrestricted free agent uh, in, at the end of the summer should.
1: Yeah, I, I think um, it's kind of a mixed bag with those college free agents. I know, um, uh, what's his face, Nick Schultz, who was a Wisconsin kid. He got drafted at some point. I think he was a second-round pick of, like, Carolina. And then went through his whole career, and then he um, didn't sign with whoever originally drafted him and signed up in Edmonton, and he's been a really good player. Uh, So I think it depends on the the prospect. The Blackhawks actually might um, have a, a college Free agent uh, on their roster as well as the brother of uh, James Van like We have Trevor Van Riemsdyk, and he's been kind of the surprise of camp out of uh, out of UAH. So I, I think that uh, it's a tough transition going from from college straight to the NHL, and, and not a lot of guys can do it. But I wouldn't rule it out either. I mean, Hayes has got an NHL-sized body. I think he's six and two hundred twenty pounds, and really good vision, smart hockey player. Um, he seems like. You know, skating might be lacking a bit, but I don't think that's as big of a deal in the Eastern Conference as it would be uh, in the West. So, I don't know, maybe he can do it. And, there, and that injury to uh, Stepan in kind of looks like it might be paving the way for him.
0: Yeah, and there's another guy who has always had a lot of attention and uh, been hyped up a lot more than he should be, and uh, especially when it came to the Team USA stuff. But Rangers fans, I mean, if you say anything negative about Derek Stepan, people just get on you in an instant as if, you know, he's some... Uh, you know, hockey god here, and and while he is the first line center, that's sort of by default because they don't really have a first line center. So um, a guy who would probably be a great second, third line center. on Another team gets the the title and the status of that here, and uh, you know he, he's been the I'd say for 50% of the fans, he's sort of been the whipping boy because his production isn't what it should necessarily be for uh, really? the minutes. He, yeah, I mean, the, the I minute,
1: really, I really like his game.
0: Well, I feel just like um, the minutes he's used, I mean, he, he can also sometimes be overused, but do you guys have that guy in Chicago where there's the one guy that uh, half the fans seem to tend to jump on and the other half are uh, in love with?
1: Uh, there seems to be like a Twitter mob for a certain guy every year. Um, the, for, there, there's a whole faction of um, hockey writers who are very much anti-fighting, and yeah. they kind of think that everybody should be Patrick Kane. So people hated Brandon Bowling last year, like irrationally hated him. Like He is what he is. He's a fourth-line guy who plays his position. You know, he's in position defensively. He doesn't make a ton of mistakes, and he fights. Like, he's, like, you know, and a good guy in the room and all that. So, like, that's kind of how every team has a guy like that. I thought the Hawks had a, you know, pretty good one. But there's some guy, actually, he was, like, kind of a, a CBS the local CBS writer for the Hawks said that Quenville needs to be saved from himself. And because, but so this guy who has never played hockey, he's never been in an NHL room <laughs> is telling Quenville that basically you're an idiot and I don't care about your two Stanley Cups or 800 career wins. So there's a, there's a big, so I'm sure there will be some guy this year that everyone hates. Uh, Brandon Mashant there is looking like he's going to make the team former Ranger uh, I'm guessing if he's on the team, it'll be him, because he <laughs> plays that enforcer kind of a role. Um, the guy for me, personally, is is Bickle, because you know, from October to April, he's a doc. <laughs> he had nine goals during the regular season last year, kind of plays on the perimeter, he's a big body, he's a frustrating guy, but then you know... On playoffs, he's going to flip the switch and be an animal and, and a wrecking ball. So you just kind of put up with it because, you know, the good Brian Bickle is is coming. So that that's kind of what it is. But I don't really have a, a whipping boy personally. But whoever, whoever will end up being the enforcer type guy for the Hawks will get uh, massacred here in town.
0: <laughs> well, I think I have an idea who it could be, and that could be former Ranger uh, Brad Richards over there on that $2 million deal.
1: That that who knows if if he really uh, if he bottoms out and has nothing left, then it could be. But I think anything is going to look better than Michael Hansus, who's the Hawks had last year. Which I just looked up his stats for the purpose of this call. Hansus last year had four goals and twelve assists in like just over sixty games for the Hawks (laughs) last year, and he played the majority of the games. Yeah, and he played the majority of his games with with Patrick Kane. So I think if you put Richards in the middle of of Kane and Sod, and that's what they've done so far in the preseason, I think it's going to be hard for him to look back uh, between those two guys. And he still had 51 points for the Rangers last year. So I think change of scenery. He's complained about the New York media um, here in town already. I don't know if you caught wind of that, but he was kind of complaining about them a little bit. And, it's uh, funny how
0: the people who get run out of a town or suck are always the people that complain about the media.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, but I mean, 50, 20 goals and 31 assists. No, I mean, I, he was, I think yeah. the problem the problem with him is, you know, when they signed him after the, the 2010-11 season and the free agency and uh, they overpaid for him, obviously, and then, then they thought yeah. they needed him that bad, and nine years, $60 million is way too much money for uh, Brad Richards Third at that media, point in yeah. his career, but... Yeah, I mean, he just, the money is something he could never live up to, and uh, I think everybody knew that, and, and you know, that first year, he's, you know, 25 goals, 41 assists, 66 points, that, that was a pretty solid year for him, and even that was a letdown, and I think that people had be- big expectations for him, for, you know, a guy who never scored uh, 30 goals once in a season in his career, I think people expected to get way more production out of him, but um, he was a good ranger, I mean, down the stretch... And in the playoffs, you could see his age and fatigue start to settle in. And uh, that's when he, you know, his, his minutes sort of got uh, dropped and he's relegated to third, fourth line duties and basically was just on the power play, which at that point he wasn't even doing a good job on that either. But I think in Chicago where he could sort of be hidden and he doesn't have to be the go-to guy or at least one of the go-to guys and uh, he could just be a supporting character. I think uh, I think he's going to do really well there, which is kind of sickening because uh, of how much money the Rangers had to buy him out for.
1: Yeah, I mean, and don't get me wrong, I don't have super high expectations for him. I I think the bar uh, is so low by Hanzo's that, like I said, anybody uh, in comparison is going to look pretty good. And I I also think Richards had a lot of his numbers hurt by playing for Tortorella. Oh,
0: (laughs) definitely. Tortorella
1: just takes all the fun out of hockey, and, and especially... For a guy like Richards, who is more of an offensive guy, I mean, you said he's only scored thirty goals once, but I know he's had over ninety points a couple times. So he's a big time player. I don't think they ever really surround like he's ne- he never played with a Kane or Sod in New York. Yeah. So the, both of those guys are better than any wingers he ever played with, including Rick Nash. And um, so I don't know. I, I think if he if he puts up fifty one points for the Hawks come, as a second line center. I would be over the moon. I don't I, like if he. All he has to do for me is replicate what he did in New York, and I'll be, I'll be happy because that'd be a huge jump over uh, what they got out of Michael Hansus.
0: Yeah, and you mentioned Rell and it's weird because they're supposed to be such good friends, and uh, you know he helped bring him here, yeah. and he won. The, he, I mean, Richard single-handedly. Uh, the yeah,
1: they won
0: the cup together. He won the Con smite, so. Um, and then he screwed him over and benched and him and scratched him in those final two games against the Bruins two years ago. But I mean, Tortorella took the fun, like you said, out of hockey, took the fun out of everyone, I mean. He was asking Rick Nash and Gabrick to like muck it up in the corner and block shots with their face and stuff. And uh, you know he hated Zuccarello. He always sent him down. Didn't play him. And Zuccarello, you know, emerged last year in 59 points, 77 games, at his biggest year as as a NHLer. And uh, I think that just goes to show a different system, different guy, what he could be. And I think that uh, that's also more of a testament to the type of player Richards can be over there as uh you know as sort of a, a reserve guy and someone they don't need to look to, but he'll definitely give them great. Secondary scoring option.
1: Yeah, and, and maybe a little bit of help on the point now that it looks like the Hawks are probably trading Nick Letty um, <laughs> to run that second uh, power play unit on the point. and So I, I think it's a good fit, and I, and I love that it's a, only a one year deal because, like you said, it, he did look like he broke down in the playoffs last year and probably deserved to get benched um, at, at uh, various points in the playoffs. So yeah I, I think it's uh it was the perfect deal because the hawks have a really nice uh prospect coming along his kid uh Turbo Taravainen, uh Finnish kid but he's just he's just not quite ready um so i think that he'll get some uh some rockford some AHL time this year and some weight room time and um but then next year he should be ready to go and, and be a top you know he's like the next great blackhawk so uh, so the timing, the one-year deal, the cheap money, all that worked out great. And, uh, yeah, like I, I, I'm optimistic, but I don't really have high expectations for him either.
0: Well, uh, the thing with you guys in Chicago that you've gotten used to is something that I just experienced for the first time, and that is how short the offseason is when you make the final And it just seems like yesterday, you know, they were playing game five and they were losing. And now here we are, uh, just a few days away from opening night for the league. And, you know, is is that something that that you've gotten used to over the last few years, where you just expect this two-and-a-half, three-month offseason, then boom, you're right back at it?
1: Yeah, and it's funny you say that because, I mean, how long did the Stanley Cup Finals last? Like, ten days? Yeah. And so your season was ten days longer than, than, uh, than the Blackhawks. And I feel like this summer has taken forever. <laughs> like, uh, and, and normally, you know, coming off a win, you're right, or being in the finals, it goes by, like, you know, in a in a flash. But this summer, it's just like probably because we had that, you know, bitter taste uh, at the end. It, it just seemed like hockey, for me at least, it just seems like hockey can't get here fast enough. And probably part of that's because every other team in town is so brutal. So <laughs> the uh... We need to to feel like winners again, and the Hawks are the only team that uh, that give us that. So,
0: well, you got you got the Bears. Uh, I mean, they're what are they two and two now? So they're not really they're not terrible.
1: They're not. Uh, they look pretty bad last week. the <laughs> fact, as they got hammered. But um, of course, like Roger Rogers owns the Bears. But yeah, so I, I think uh, I, I think we're you know the city's ready for hockey. I'm ready for hockey, and it, it's uh, I'm ready. I'm I feel like I'm living on Twitter. <laughs> waiting for these trades to happen and uh because because they're inevitable but they feel like they're just never going to happen so it, it's a weird uh it's a weird time as a hawks fan right now hopefully uh something will happen before the game tomorrow night
0: well i just looked in the uh the blackhawks kings game seven was on june 1st um then the cup started june 4th and it was over on june 13th so yeah like 12 more days but um, I guess I guess you say that's like nearly half a month, and, and maybe that makes all the difference. But you know, for you guys, it's just a given at this point, or at least it has been recently, and, and it has been a given for the Rangers uh, mostly since you know the lockout that uh, or the, the the lockout of the real lockout of oh four oh five that they'll make the playoffs since they have every season but but one, but they're usually a first second round exit. Um, last year and the two years before that um, was a difference with going to the Eastern Conference Final, and the Stanley Cup Final. But for you guys, I mean, do you is the regular season even fun to you? I mean, I know as a Yankees fan, before these last two seasons, it was sort of just like get through the regular season, nobody get hurt. And, uh, and then we'll see in October. And, and it was sort of just like a thing that happened along the way. Now, obviously, going in the future for the Yankees, it's not going to be that case. And now I have to live and die with 162 games. But for you for you guys, I mean, is, is 82 games is just like you just get bored of it after a while? You just wait for the playoffs to start?
1: Uh, I mean, a little, there's a little bit of that. But you really, in the Central Division and in the West, you can't, take your foot off the gas. Like, the Hawks finished third in their division last year. Now, they obviously, they, they went to the conference finals, but, you know, it, it was it was not a given that they were just going to run through the West. So, now, like, you know, Dallas added Jason Spezza, and St. Louis added Paul Stasny, and Pecker Rene's back for Nashville. Like, everybody is good. Colorado's got Jerome McGinley. I don't know how great of a fit that is, but it's another... Veteran piece to go with a young team, uh, so that you know that they could be better. Um, so every everybody in the division is good. So it's like you when when you're watching the games, it's like you you have to be ready to go every night. Like the team has to like every every game feels like a big game because everybody's good. So um, you don't want to be put in a I hate to be put in a position where they're fighting for a wild card because they started slow and somebody got hurt. Like you just gotta. Kind of take care of business every game because everybody's so good.
0: Well, last season the Rangers uh, jockeyed for position with the Flyers for that 2 3 spot in the Metro. And and the Penguins were going to run away with the division all along, and, and they'll probably run away with it again this year because they're built for the regular season, and and uh, they're not. True, uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're not really built for the playoffs anymore, but for the regular season, they are, and I'm sure they'll you know they'll get their hundred ch- and change and, and win the division with ease and probably be the Rangers, Flyers again right there in the two three spot. But you know, I think oh, I that got works. a question
1: for you then because I'm not big on the Flyers. Are you worried about uh, Columbus or or maybe the Islanders coming?
0: Well to, that's uh, that's what I was just going to mention. Bit. All right, so even if you take the flyers out, what I was going to say is that, you know, as a Rangers fan, I didn't want to see them play Columbus last year because I feel like the Blue Jackets not only do they have a lot of ex-Rangers, but they're built just like the Rangers almost in a sense where you don't want to face a yep. team that's a mirror image of yourself and and certainly the Islanders, the Islanders always give the Rangers a problem because um, at least recently, you know, before the Tavares injury, it's, you know, they try to score five or six goals a game, and then they just hope they don't give up six or seven, and that's sort of been their strategy, because they haven't had a goalie, you know, a reliable goalie in forever, but you know, my original question was going to be, do you, I mean, do you even care what seed you get? Does not one seed matter to the four? I, to me, as a Rangers guy, I mean, just get in the playoffs, and, and then things will take care of themselves, I feel like.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with that to a certain extent. I think that uh, the most important thing is just getting in, getting in the dance. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't have the the, uh, the. I wouldn't want the Hawks to kill themselves to win a you know a president's trophy or something like that. But like the Bruins, preferably. Yeah, like the Bruins did last year. So preferably, um, I I'd, I'd have the Hawks get home ice at least in the first round. I think that's a, I do think that's important. Um, but no, I I think you know, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head. Like you just you got to make sure you get in. And like like I said, last year they finished third. It's just you know everybody everybody's good, so it's I don't know the Central so talk with St. Louis and Dallas and Minnesota, signed Thomas Vanek, and um, like I said about Colorado, they got some some guys coming back. They're you know going to improve their team. So everybody's good, so it, it's not quite like like the East, where I feel like each division in the East has two playoff locks, and then it's kind of you're throwing a dart. I feel like Barry Trot like Barry Trot might fix Washington. I really believe in Barry Trot, So maybe, they, maybe the Capitals come back a little bit. Um, but yeah, I think it's the Pens and the Rangers and then kind of everybody else. Well, you, so bring you out, take on, uh, on the Atlantic too, or the Metro.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, you, you know, you, you bring up Minnesota there and, um, uh, Obviously, you know every team's trying to win the Stanley Cup. every team's uh trying to build the the perfect roster, and you guys have obviously won two in the last few years, but Minnesota, I mean like getting Vanek, which I had just i haven't even thought about since he signed there, but I mean their cap situation is a, is a just a disaster if they don't win the Stanley Cup soon because in a couple of years they're going to be uh probably a pretty bad team for a pretty long time
1: yeah i mean they they've got a lot of nice young players, which is kind of the blackhawks model like they're they're paying. They're superstars a ton, and then they got a lot of guys like Shaw and Ben Smith, and, and all those guys are right around like $1.5 or $2 million, million, Marcus Kruger. So I think that's kind of the model. Like you, If you have superstars, you lock them up and give them the money, and then you really have to draft and develop well. And I think that's why Minnesota was able to surprise some people last year, because they do have like the big guys like Parise and Suter and Vu and now Vanek, but they also have guys like Eric Halla, who's like a little kid who played at uh, at the University of Minnesota, but lightning fast, kind of kind of like Hagelin a little bit, not as not, not as big as Hagelin, but um, you know just unbelievable speed. So I don't know. I think Minnesota has. I do think they actually have some staying power. The funny thing about like you said about their um, their cap situation is that they spent so much money on players that Forbes said that they lost money last year. So they (laughs) sold out every game, but somehow they still couldn't make the financials work because, I don't know if it was their TV deal or what, but they they came back uh, in the red after last year after they dumped all the money on Parise and Suter and and all those guys. So that's an interesting thing to watch. They might just be like, hey, we're tired of losing money. We better just dump some of these guys. But I think they do have uh, plenty of nice pieces to keep them I don't know if they'll ever surpass the, the, the Hawks or the Blues, but I think they'll be in the mix of the playoffs for the next three, four, five years.
0: Well, you've got your uh, your stars in, in Kane and Taves certainly, and uh, I just remembered a, t- a tweet you had recently about you know the Derek Jeter farewell tour and how you started to feel bad because eventually that's going to happen to the Blackhawks and to Kane and Taves. And certainly that's not for a long, long time at this point, uh, signing those extensions in the offseason. But, uh, you know, how long do you, do you realistically think you have? I mean, they, you, you, know, you always have to overpay for the superstars, and they'll never be uh, what they were when you originally signed them. But what do you think this window for the Blackhawks is right now?
1: Well, I think Taves is 26 and Kane is 25. So I think it's wide open. They just signed those eight-year deals. So Kane will, or Taves will be 34. When that deal runs out, I think I think for as long as those guys are around, it'll be a legitimate Stanley Cup contender. So, um, but they, I mean, they, they're going to have to replace Hosa. Uh, hopefully, Saad can kind of move into that superstar role that that Hossa's had, and, and Patrick Sharp's getting a little bit older. But they've got Caravine coming, so I think that they've got they've done a nice job of, of finding guys a little bit later in the draft that. Once they, you know, they're taking risks on guys, and then in the draft, uh, and then they're developing and they become top prospects. So that's what Sod was a second round pick. Now he's, you know, widely thought of as one of the best young players in the game. They got Teravainen at 18. Now I think he's rated as like the third highest prospect in the game behind like uh, Jonathan Drew and that um, Russian kid for the Capitals. So. So, yeah, I think that Stan Goldman and the, and the whole player development uh, are doing exactly what they need to do to kind of keep this thing on the rails uh, and find the next generation of, uh, of role players to go around their superstars. So I'm, I'm happy with it. I think, they, I think, like I said, I think it's wide open uh, for the Hawks, this, this championship window, but you've got to capitalize. So we saw last year, it was just like, man, if they would have won three and five, you're a dynasty, now it's like you're kind of <laughs> shooting for like maybe that Spurs model where you win one every couple of years for 10 years. So then you end up with, you know, hopefully four. But it's not going to be like that condensed run of three and five, which would have been pretty special.
0: Well, when the Rangers... Uh beat the Flyers in game seven last year in the first round. I think everyone just sort of felt a sigh of relief because they had to get through that first round they had to get past the Flyers who were just not even really, not even really belonging in the playoffs probably. And then when they went yeah. down three, one to the Penguins, um, I think everyone just sort of felt like it was over. And you had the people who said, you know, they could get back in, they could get back in it, but they weren't even scoring at that point. Um, and right. then, and then, at, and then you just hope they can extend the season. Like every win, you know, you get an extra couple nights of playoff hockey, um, and then when they got to Game 7, you felt like they could really win it. They win it, then they get it to Montreal. And I didn't feel great about that series going into it. And I thought, you know, just getting the Eastern Conference Finals after what they had dealt with uh, in the first two rounds, mm-hmm. two Game 7s, I thought uh, was a plus. Uh, and then Carey Price gets hurt, and you realize, you know, you probably have to win this now. And then they do that, and they yep. get to the final. And I, I didn't even care. I said, you get, you beat the Canadiens, you get to the final, whatever. It doesn't matter if we win or lose, you got to the final. And then once you get there, that goes out the window, especially when you have these two-goal leads and you're hitting the post ten times in overtime. Um, And they had the chance to win that series. And I think the thing that sucks the most is, is you look back, and it's been 20 years. Since they won the Stanley Cup, this season will be 21 this next June. And uh, you just never know when you're going to get back there. I mean, it took them 20 years just to get back there. They haven't even won it again. And now that you have that taste where, you know, a couple years ago they made the Eastern Conference finals and lost. Now they made the Stanley Cup final and lost. And the only place to go from here is to win it. Uh, and when you go into the season with that mentality that it's basically you have to win the Stanley Cup or it's a failure, that's something that you're experiencing there, and it's sort of a dangerous thing there where uh, only being the last team standing is the only way to con- consider the season a success, uh, a success.
1: Yeah, but would you want it any other way?
0: No, I don't. I don't. I like... Right. You want the... Re- yeah,
1: Like I, I think that you should feel that way about the Rangers. And uh, I was going to ask you, what do you think their championship window is? they got some nice young pieces with Kreider and Stepan and and McDonough still young-ish and they they have another six-year run in them with this group or is it all kind of tied
0: to Hank? You know, I think it is tied to him. I mean, through training camp here and through the preseason, you've seen that they've sort of uh, revamped their system. They've got a lot of young kids. I mean, they're trying to supposedly make room for this Anthony Duclair kid who's only 19 who they could send back to juniors. got this crazy uh, cap situation. And, uh, I mean, well, not only cap, they have the, you know, he's the 51st guy they'd have to cut someone. And uh, he signed after the deadline, so he's going to lose a year no matter what. So it's this whole, you know, bizarre thing. But it's weird for them to, you know, have a 19-year-old kid that they're Possibly thinking about putting on the opening night roster. But uh, like I've said, I just don't want it to be, you know. Uh, you know, 10 years from now or whatever. And Henrik Lundqvist is having his jersey retired MSG and he's standing there and, and the, his best moment, you know, was, was making the Stanley Cup final, and losing in five games. I think he deserves better than that. Um, and I'm, I'm glad they finally decided to stop wasting his prime and, and put a good team around him. And hopefully this is a team that can score consistently because that's been their biggest issue for a while now. So I think their window is pretty good, but I do think it's tied to him in some sense. Um, and he hasn't shown any signs now that he's, you know, getting to his mid thirties. He hasn't shown any signs of, uh, you know, breaking down or wear and tear, or anything like that, and I don't know if that's something that's just gonna you know hit him one day. He's gonna lose it overnight, but uh, I think he's got a few good years left, and and hopefully he does because he signed that seven year extension or, uh, last year. So uh, I think th- I think they've got a good like, window. Too
1: technical on it, uh, but I think his style, where he he plays so deep and he just takes up so much net that I think that kind of lends itself to a longer career. You know, it's not like he's a guy that's going to like lose his athleticism or if he lose, or if he does lose a, a shade of athleticism, it's not going to have a drastic effect on his game where you might see that with a guy who's out on top of his crease and, and more, more aggressive. I think the way Hank plays will lend itself to a, a slower decline. Um, so for whatever, for whatever that's worth, like I, I think that he, I think, like they signed to that long deal, I think they'll get their money's worth.
0: Yeah, and I think um, I think one of the things that I, to to allude to that and, and keeping him rested and keeping him from getting fatigue later in the season is that last year I remember Lane Vigneault had said that uh, before they even started the season he was doing a, uh, I forget his press conference or just an interview and he mentioned how. You know, through research, they realized that um, you got to keep a starting goalie under sixty games started, and it gives you a better chance um, at, at you know doing better in the playoffs and reaching the Stanley Cup. And you know, obviously, that changes every year, and it changes depending on who the goalie is, who the team is, what the situation is. And and that went out the window as soon as you know the playoffs became um, you know a concern, and he ended up starting sixty three games, and then they went and broke their uh, their little model there. But I think you know if they can sort of uh, you know keep his games down, and, and maybe they could do what the Blackhawks do and get into, you know, such a big lead that they can actually rest and they're not grinding it out to like game eighty to finally clinch. But he he has played a lot of games. I mean sixty three last year, forty three in the shortened season, sixty two, sixty eight, seventy three, seventy, seventy two, seventy, and then fifty three is rookie year like when that. he was splitting time, so you know that's a lot of games. That's that's a lot of extra minutes logged, and then certainly in the playoffs, um, he's logged logged an extra a lot of extra time and 40 games in the last two years or or whatever it's been. And uh, yeah, so I, I think you know, like you said, maybe his style lends itself to to keeping him in the league longer, and it's sort of uh, you know, it's sort of a better style than maybe we saw out of a guy like Tim Thomas or something like that.
1: Right, and and Tim Thomas, I mean, he's the exact opposite stylistically from from Lundqvist, but. He's a guy that didn't have a lot of miles on him because it took him so long to make the league, and so it's uh, you know kind mean, of an apples and oranges situation. But yeah, like I would think if a guy came in like Thomas and played that style from the time he was 22 and was playing 70 games a year, I think that'd be a problem. I don't think, I don't think Hank playing. Well, I think they should keep it to 60. Who is that other kid? The backup. Oh, is, Cam Talbot. Pretty good. Cam Talbot yeah I think he looked like a pretty good goalie too like so I think having Hank play 60 and him play 22 I think that's that's a pretty good model
0: yeah and you you know uh what I just thought about you mentioned miles and uh his miles and I know people always talk about uh you know these guys that have long uh careers and especially uh, in the postseason a lot no matter what sport it is and you look at like Jeter, for example. I mean, he played 158 playoff games, which is essentially a full season of the most yeah. competitive, high-leverage games. So he basically played an extra season of baseball. And uh, you know, you ever do you ever think about that with the Blackhawks when it comes to the fact that they're playing, you know, 102, 105 games a year rather than these other teams that are just playing 82? Yeah,
1: I mean, it, it, I I always worry about the older guys, um, like Marion Hossa, but he. Has always been pretty good. We saw sharp's game kind of fell off a little bit, um, but I guess he he had a shoulder problem. So, um, but yeah, I, yeah, it's something you worry about cause, and all those guys last year, all the Hawks top guys played in the Olympics too. So, uh, the Hawks had I think eleven different guys make various Olympic teams. So, they played a lot of hockey in the last eighteen months. And I'm not saying that that's why they lost because uh, I don't think it is. But it's you know it's something to to think about. So. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm not too too worried about it. I, I just think that the Hawks have just they kind of have it rolling with these these next next generations. So uh, if Hosa loses a little bit, I think Saad continues his ascension, and maybe they you know flip uh, flip roles in terms of importance and where they're playing and who they're playing with. But I, don't, I just think Hosa will be I think Hosa will be kind of like a Yager as he gets older because he's just so big and strong. Um, that kind of a similar analogy to Hank where I think his game will age well because he doesn't need to have that super speed to be an effective player. He's so good defensively, he's so intelligent, and he's so big and strong that he just shields the puck away from guys that, and he makes himself effective. So I think that uh, I think he'll, his game will age well. He can play until he's 40 or whatever and, and uh, still – Be a a part of a big part of a championship caliber team. So I love the Hawks. I I think I think they've got it pretty good. Just just talking about them with you has me kind of fired up. That yeah, saying all this stuff out loud, it's like wow, we've got it. We've got it
0: pretty good. (laughs) i well, ready, uh, ready. for the season to start. I think that's a good comparison for hosting Yager because if you look at Yager, you know, back in the early '90s when he was flying around and uh, you know putting up the, the 100 plus points every season, and then as he got older and uh, sort of uh, the Capitals Rangers days when he sort of had a bigger body, different style of play, uh, would just sort of work the half wall and and, and you know face the boards yep. almost and keep his you know the puck away from the net, and that's where he did most of his work. That's how he picked up most of his assists, um, and then he could you know outmuscle anyone in front of the net. I think that's a good comparison because I do feel like him and Hossa have the same style to play and definitely the, the same body type to play that style. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and uh, and even I mean, I think Yager's 43 now, and you could argue that he was the devil's best offensive player last year. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I, mean, I don't know if Hossa will last quite that long. I think Yager is one of the most special players of all time. Um, but if Hossa can keep, you know, that kind of a track and play until he's you know, 40 at this level, then I think the Hawks will be in really good, really good shape. And he's under contract because they signed him to a 12-year deal when they got him. Talk about committing <laughs> too much to a guy, but what are you going to do? That was back when the Hawks were desperate for uh, for free agents. So, had to overpay a little bit and a little bit long on the term to, to get him into town.
0: All right, Ryan, well... uh We'll have to talk again uh at some point here uh in the early season or at least you know again before the new year break because uh the the Rangers and the Blackhawks, thanks to some you know odd scheduling, don't play for the first time till March eighth which is just so far away, and then they play again March eighteenth so uh that first one's in Chicago, the second one's home, so they don't play for about you know five months and then they play twice in ten days, so we'll talk again though, and uh you know we'll we'll stay up to date yeah
1: we'll talk to you you know whatever whenever you. Whenever you need, I'm always available. So uh, feel free to call and um, and yeah, will just saving the making sure, making sure the elite teams have uh, some good competition leading up to the playoffs. So Hawks and Rangers at that time <laughs> as a tune up for uh, for the tournament makes me feel pretty good.
0: Yeah, and hopefully this year uh, maybe we get that wish. Maybe we get that New York Chicago final.
1: I would love it.